What is up, everyone? On our plate this week, is Persona 3 Remake and a new Jesse Radio coming? Soon? Maybe? We'll see. What's the big feature Redfall will be missing when it releases? Is Ubisoft joining the first-person conversation with X Defiant? Is Call of Duty Season 3 the best season yet? All these answers and more on Season 7, Episode 14 of Press X to Start's Gamer's Digest. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, DJ, a.k.a. Sexy Bad Choices, a.k.a. Uh, the man with the brat at that as a side piece. You know what I mean? Who else is here? Mm, I'm muted. I am Sean M.F. Ross. <laughs> what does the M.F. stand for now that I can hear you? Uh, get me an X-Fill. Hey. Can I get an X-Fill? <laughs> Oh, and last but not least, we have... Hey, everyone. It's me, Avery. What's up, Avery? How you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. I apologize for being resident sleeper on last week's episode. Last week's news did not spark joy, and it was mm. a disappointing performance. I will, I will come back fighting stronger. <laughs> T1 fighting. Is that like Rocky 2? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now you know who we are. Press X to start Gamer Digest is a video podcast that condensed the most important gaming news from the past week into an hour-long meal just for you so we hope you have your mouth open because it's gonna be a can be a big one boy if you don't get it's gonna be <laughs> i really don't say they like that dj <laughs> you're probably right you know i apologize everyone i apologize <laughs> we are live on youtube every sunday at 3 p.m eastern standard time because that's the best standard time hello people on youtube don't forget, you can support us by liking the video, subscribing to the channel, and hit the notification bell. If you are listening, we greatly appreciate you leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast services you are tuned in on. If you want to join our conversations, you can by joining the Discord at pressxnumber2start.com slash Discord. Now, with that all out the way, let us jump into the gaming news. But wait, before we do that, I just want to make a quick little thing. This is a pretty hefty episode so we might go a little bit over the hour but we'll try not to um yes we are aware of the new breath of the wild trailer that dropped and the 30 minute long rundown of final fantasy 16 we aren't going to talk about either one of those things because it's kind of old but we had a good time with them you know we're, we're excited but we'll see yeah we're most likely gonna get both games so so yeah, let's get into the gaming news. Avery, what's, what's going on? What's happening? Okay, so our first news story is from Sal Romano at Gamatsu. Rumor, Persona 3 Remake and new Jet Set Radio game footage appears online. So at the beginning of the week, uh, a someone leaked a piece of a 2021 internal Sega uh, like uh, shareholder video, which showed images of Persona 3, but in the Persona 5 art style. And then, not even images, a full video of Yukari from Persona 3. Uh, and then it showed uh, what appears to be an early look at what became Sonic Frontiers. And then what appears to be a updated visual uh, language for Jet Set Radio Future. Now, uh, this uh, apparently Persona uh, footage has been out there forever. 
Uh, but this is really the first time everyone tied it in together. And then there was some uh, back-end leaks from certain online retailers that sort of hinted at this uh, being more than just a rumor and more of a real thing that's going on internally at Sega. Yeah. I am... I'll, I'll say this. I'm happy for the people who are looking for that Persona 3 remake because I know that was a thing that... I, that released on the Vita, right? No, Persona 3 is a PS2 game. PS2, okay. Was there a remake or something that happened from the Vita? No, nothing. There, okay. There, there was a re-release of Persona 4 with also the PS2 game on the Vita. Okay, that must be what I'm thinking of. But yeah, the Jesse Radio, oh, I can't wait. And the thing is, I already know, I know, you don't have to tell me, everyone, you don't have to tell me, I know that that game is going to be like a hard 7, maybe 7-5, seven, yeah. but that's going to be a 7-5 that I thoroughly enjoy. I, I just, I hope that they can keep the, I forget the name of the guy that, that did the music for the first two. Oh, the quote-unquote Jamaican guy, whatever that was? No, 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 that's Professor K. He, he, I'm talking about the, the actual um, oh, okay. uh, music guy. Composer. Yes, that, that's the word. That's the word I'm thinking of. But yeah, like, uh, I still have that soundtrack. I still play that music every now and then. Game is just so lovely. That was my entire 99 to 2000, along with uh, uh, Juvenile and the rest of uh, Cash Money. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm not the exact opposite attack to what DJ said. I can give two shits about a new Jet Set. Uh, But Persona 3 Remake uh, in the Persona 5 art style is something incredibly interesting and a little bit disconcerting in that if this is real, then they've been working on this since they released uh, the Royale, which then lets me know the Persona team is not working on the Persona 6 and that this is just going oh. to be the next thing they're coming out for. And as someone who generally Are they loves, big enough to split teams, though? Probably it, not. It, it, if they're working with the Persona 5 engine, yeah. no, I don't think so. Yeah, uh, especially if this is going to be a Persona 5 engine that's built for next gen with all the bells and whistles. Yeah. Uh, it's a remake of an old game, which means that it's not going to take forever to like rebuild because they already have the blueprints and skeleton. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything in the long run in regards to how these games and their production comes through. Persona 3 is a fucking amazing game. Shout out to Marcus for getting me on the Persona series. And I'm super interested in what happened out of this because I am a giant Persona 3 fan. Like before yeah. 5, it was my favorite Persona. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, maybe we'll see this appear like in a real way this year. Maybe next year. Hopefully it's this year, though. Uh, this is uh, 2021 leak footage. Uh, that means they've, been had, they've had two years to work on this game. There's a strong chance that this is definitely a 2024. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Especially like this was like a civil reel for investors. Like this wasn't even like a Hey guys, like this, this wasn't even like preparing for like a showcase. Yeah, I mean, it's also it's also possible that they don't come out at the same time, and it's just no, like because no. like you they're, know, yeah. Sonic Frontiers not, came yeah. out already, so yeah, they're not definitely not going to come out at the same time. But I'm of the mindset if one of them comes out, only one of them, and the other one is a 2024 game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like staggered. Yeah, that also depends on what what else Sega's releasing, and I frankly am not familiar enough with Sega's ongoing catalog to be like, oh. There is space in their catalog for them to release something here, if that makes sense. Yeah. More, more, more Sonic Frontiers, maybe. <laughs> People can only hope. 
Mm-hmm. And when I say people, I mean not me. Uh, so <laughs> moving on to our next story. Our next story is also dealing with Sega. This is from IGN.com. This is from George Yang. Sega is reportedly close to acquiring Angry Birds developer Rovio for $1 billion. So in the ongoing acquisition wars and in the ongoing uh, platform wars, Sega is trying to uh, carve out a piece of the mobile market for themselves by owning the Angry Birds team and not only owning the Angry Birds IP and all the money that makes, there are fucking two movies for that, uh, but also whatever mobile strength they have as a company in their further uh, mobile game pursuits. Neither company, Sega or Robio, has commented on this and brought this up. This was a Wall Street Journal uh, expose, but the only information that we have is that Robio was previously working with, uh, I would say, Playtica on an $800 million acquisition deal, but that hasn't gone through. So there is more credence to this, especially with the higher price point. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those deals like, okay, well, if this is going to keep Sega afloat for, you know, foreseeable future, then I guess. I'm, they make a couple hundred million a year, so. Yeah, I'm just kind of surprised that it just feels bad saying, but I'm just kind of surprised that Sega has that kind of capital to spend $1 billion on this. I just, hey, I mean, they are a pretty big company. With, like, we, like, I think what's happened here is that the fact that Microsoft spent $69 billion has thrown off how much most of these companies are worth, especially yeah. the big publishers. Yeah. But I'm interested to see how this plays out with their future mobile stuff. I'm also, once again, still salty that Sega was able to buy Atlas all those years ago mm-hmm. for a pittance and that like PlayStation in their infinite wisdom didn't look at the Persona franchise and they're like, maybe we should own this. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, I don't think everybody's just on this acquire acquisition fucking kick as much as they are now. I mean... When I say pittance, I had to look this shit up. 140 million. Yeah, yeah that is compared to now. I'm sorry. I spent that much money that geez. you acquire Persona and look how much money Persona has made for them since. I mean, was Persona huge back then, though? Or was it just a niche thing? Bro, no, it was big then. Like, yeah. Persona, this was also like Persona 5 was coming out at that time as well. Uh, I guess. Jeez. Like Persona 2, like, great, let me put it into context. I, I'm a Shin Megami Tensei fan. Uh, the Shin Megami Tensei games and the Atlas games have always been semi-mid in regards to their public opinion because they're JRPGs mm-hmm. at their core. Then Persona 3 came out, which is completely different to Persona 1 and 2. It was on PS2. It was one of those last-generation games in the PS2 that had, like, a big cult-following world-of-mouth situation to the point where, like, people were deep in the PS3 era, and they're like, yo, man, you gotta go back to your PS2 and play Persona 2. Then we got a PSP version of Persona 3. They re-released the other Persona games. Then they got Persona 4 Golden and all that bullshit. And then, like, the Persona hype was primed for a bursting as only PlayStation games. And then 5 came out. And that's when everyone's like, yo, man. Why uh, I'm, I'm looking at all their properties, and I really think this is just if you're into those type of games, then it's a huge thing. I think with the level of Persona that especially PlayStation who had those internal numbers and that game only came to PlayStation in its first year that like PlayStation should have been able to identify this as maybe we should, I don't know, invest in this. I mean, yeah, it's also possible that if PlayStation did buy uh, Atlas at the time that the persona that we have now could be on the same level as like, I know you're not about to say Final Fantasy. No, no, not like Final Fantasy, but like, Almost like a step down from Final Fantasy. Like Final Fantasy has that history that like Persona just doesn't, you know, doesn't have. But like 
that could be like the premier like JRPG that comes from PlayStation. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah, I, 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 I'm only saying this is that my only thought about PlayStation acquiring Atlas is that it was a year ago when a Persona game, not even a year ago, less than a year ago, when Persona game touched another platform and it was already a super popular platform on PlayStation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So our next story is from Ollie Welsh. Uh, this is another PlayStation story. So strap in for my weird uh, uh, segue. This is from Ollie Welsh from Polygon.com. Sony ending support for Dreams in September. So this week, Sony announced that they are ending ongoing service for Dreams as a platform. Media Monocle has pretty much said that uh, Dreams will exist in its current form as it is. There will be no further updates and they're ending any uh, further development into uh, a PS5 version or a PSVR 2 version. They are migrating the servers to a new host. And as a direct result, uh, there's going to be some changes in the way people upload and uh, download games from Dreams. But for the most part, it shouldn't change anything in regards to the current Dreams experience. They've also clarified that they're also moving on to work on a brand new project. So yeah, well, we are four years into Dreams' lifestyle. This is a game that was near the tail end of the PS4. One of the first games we were was revealed for the PS4, and it is being sunsetted. Uh, I believe the exact date they gave is sometime in September. Yeah, it's... Um, the 1st of September. Yeah. Like, I'm of two minds of this. Like, one side, it's like, okay, hey, man, as long as PlayStation is giving them a bigger thing to work on, because I say bigger not to disregard how big Dreams has become, but I say bigger in terms of an IP or a project that could get them in a wider audience. Because, like, I played Dreams when it dropped out, and it, like, I thought it was cool, but it, didn't stick with me for very long like hey look i'm a designer like I, I i make things right that's that's the thing that i do but like the tools and dreams they're great but they were so complicated and it's like i don't really want to sit and learn and do all this and i feel like that is they were really high level stuff you didn't want that much control over it basically yeah, no it's not that i didn't want that much control but i didn't like feel like sitting and learning the tools i, I think to dj's point uh i also own and play dreams I think what Dreams is as a game and a platform is fucking amazing. It's probably some of the most easy-to-use creation tools, but it falls into the problem that all UGC games tend to have, is that it's going to be much easier to get people to play games than to make games, and then to exactly. make those games of a, of a high enough quality to warrant anything. Yeah. So in that regard, that like... Only 10% of the Dreams audience is going to touch its creation tools. And that being said, the 10% that did touch it has created amazing games in Dreams. And it's such a testament to how strong Dreams was as a platform that like people have been making turn-based RPGs, FPS shooters, uh, visual novels. And there's not a single game that Dreams cannot make within its own engine, which is fantastic. Uh, yeah. I am not surprised that this happened with Dreams. Because mm -hmm. as much as it was a sort of gem in the pocket of the uh, place of uh, uh, PlayStation, PlayStation. Yeah. that it was it was one of those things that was always going to be hard to market. And like people have talked about how why is this game on PC? Why didn't Sony just give this game away? Why didn't do an X, Y, and Z? And 
I don't know. I don't work at PlayStation, so I can't give you yeah. the definitive answers. But I'm guessing that they looked at it and said, based on these numbers that they saw, that we cannot extract more value from this by giving it away for free, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think it was the... I, I even think it was just like... I mean, Dreams... Uh, I, would, I would imagine Dreams probably hit its, I guess, maximum capacity mm-hmm. probably before PS5 came out. And they probably had the idea of like, all right, well, even if we were to launch this with like, like make this like a, a base thing in PS5, we're like, oh, you can play these mm-hmm. dream games or whatever. After it was already in there. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, they probably just didn't see any value in that, which sucks because dreams is a cool thing. And like at this point, there are so many different games that you can play in dreams that you can have just a wide variety of different experiences, which would be fun. But it's just. It's unfortunate, you know, yeah. so, would have yeah, been I, nice. I, is if they had like a dreams corner in the PlayStation store where you pay not the full price for the access to the tools, but maybe like twenty, thirty dollars and you can have access to all the top rated, top voted games, you know. Yeah. You get into a fucking monetary problem with that. Like one of the big things that dreams can do is that, hey man, create these games if you want to. Also, hey, we as PlayStation are gonna take your work and sell it in our store. Oh yeah, that's true. Without you getting any monetary credit. I mean, they weren't and, getting any monetary credit as is now for everybody else who bought it, though. That's fair, but they're also buying Dreams for its creation tools with yeah. the idea of you can make stuff if you want to. Like, right. I know the idea is that's we want you to make stuff, kind of thing. but like the base game in itself works in tandem to get away from what I think is an ethical problem you would get into if we as PlayStation just give away our design tools and then sell people Dreams, but we sell it based on people using our design tools. Yeah. They're basically just making a profit off of the people who are creating these best in show games on dreams, but they're not. I mean, then you could give them a percentage kind of like what a uh, Fortnite is doing. Well, you're here. You're getting to, you, I, I'm glad you brought this up. Fortnite creative is a fucking fantastic thing that they were mm-hmm. able to do because of the way Fortnite is built. Yeah. Also, Fortnite creative isn't marketable to everyone because you have to deal with IP problems. Yeah. Also, you got to consider that if you're talking about services, PlayStation is not great on services. So, that's another thing that's just... Oh, that's why they got Bungie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah so I, 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 I get you. Like, I've been thinking about how does PlayStation make money from Dreams. And I think the poor problem was when Dreams first came out and we were all super... Well, I was super excited for it, super hot for yeah. it. Like, this is a really cool piece of tech and hard drive. And it didn't set the world on fire then. I don't think there is a world that PlayStation could have then extracted more from Dreams even if they did I mean, anything else. That's what I was coming up with the get a... A limited one where you can only play the top rated games for an access point of $20 or something, $30. You know what I mean? Yeah, but then, yeah. The one thing I wanted to bring up, though, it sucks because uh, the video that I was playing while uh, Avery was talking about the story was for their MP Awards, which Mm -hmm. is a award show they run in Dream to celebrate the creators that are in Dreams. And it's like, who else knows amazing. Well, I mean, but that's that's the thing, though. Like, it's amazing how well they support their community and like to run something like that is just like that's so cool and i again like i appreciate the fact that based off the story playstation is just giving the the dreams creator media molecule another game to work on yeah like the core takeaway of this is that if hey dreams didn't set the world on fire what's going on media molecule oh places like oh we're good 
<laughs> Go make another game. Yeah, it, it wasn't right, the execution. Right. It was just the reception. They, yeah. they, like, they we in PlayStation saw your game, thought this is amazing, and we couldn't figure out a way to get its maximum profits. So we're not going to punish you as a developer, and everyone's fine. So it will, we'll see what they make next. The question is, are they going to pull a house mark, or That's are they going amazing. to stay down their their stay in their lane and make more tearaway and little big planets? I think they're going to go a house mark route. I, I think the next game we see is going to be a third person kind of thing. You might have like the ability to create in some way in the game, but I think it's going to be along the lines of a more traditional game that's going to come out from them. Because I think that's going to be a way for them to kind of take the thing that makes them unique and combine that with a you know a platform that really speaks with the market so that would be my my guess take note microsoft we pivot we don't flush i'm sorry i'm sorry and it will be 60 <laughs> frames per second <laughs> well, save those jokes for our, our next stories because yeah Alrighty then yeah it's, it's interesting i i i'm not sure i because like playstation has pivoted to big triple a masterpiece level games where media molecule has always been like we make small inventive fun family games and i yeah. think if i'm playstation i'm looking at our portfolio i'm like do we need them to do anything more than what we've asked them to do before and in fact mm. we could probably spend less money with those but i think that's the worry though it's like okay well if they stay in their lane they might do something that's a little better than dreams but ultimately is that going to end up as like one of the mascots in the the banner of PlayStation? I mean, Sackboy is. Sackboy is, yeah. Why? Well, I guess. Yeah. So I'm like, they could go back to Sackboy. They're yeah. still supporting the last little big planets. I mean, yeah. I don't think they're still releasing costumes and whatever. Uh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which <laughs> was not made. That is not made by uh from Medium Uncle. That last little big planet game that came out. They mm-hmm. run Sackboy Run, which is like the the Mario platformer kind of a thing. It's not made by them. Is that mobile or something? No, the PS Five Little Big Planet game Sackboy game is not made by Medium Molecule. It was made by like another third party. I want to say Sumo Digital. Sumo Digital. I think that's right. I think it's. I think it's Sumo Digital. Well, no, the Sumo Digital made the. There is a mobile Little Big Planet game that they are currently working on. Oh, you talking about Sackboy Big Adventure? Okay. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, but the that's la- the yeah. launch title. That's Sumo Digital. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> And okay, our last story before we take a, a break. Uh, this is from VGC. This is from Jordan Midler. Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League has been delayed till 2024. So after what? it was. Since when? I was looking forward to that game when it was supposed to come out sometime this year. <laughs> you sucker, shut up. So since the last time, uh, the timeline for this game was they announced it. I said, this looks like bullshit. But that was only because I didn't like the concept. And I just, I, I wrote the game off, even though it was made by the uh, Arkham fans. They showed nothing but cinematics for about a year and a half. Then they had their big gameplay showcase of what this game was to be. After it was leaked online, it was going to be a games as a service type of game. They had the showcase. Everyone was like, okay. Uh, it was immediately delayed from its original release date, which I want to say sometime in June. And it, it wasn't given a new release date. Well, uh, Rocksteady and WB have come out and said that they're giving it a release date sometime in uh, 2024. They're saying it's for polish and quality assurance. We don't necessarily know what that means. I'm of the mindset that based on what that game is, you can't rip out the games of the service from that game in its current state without irreparably making the game feel even worse. 
So I don't think they're trying to do that. So I have no idea what their entire game plan is with this. In my mind, I don't think they're going to rip out the games of service, but I think they're going to do a lot to change what the games of service part is going to be in the game. Because like when it comes down to the gameplay elements and stuff, they might tweak those things to make it feel a bit more weighty, maybe a less like Anthem. I don't know. It, it, if that's going to be the selling point for the game, then they're probably going to stand by to, you know, how they design those systems. But I think the biggest thing was the game didn't look great. The I, th- I think the game looked great. I just think the game didn't oh, show. Did? No, I think like I think it looked 100 percent like a super competent, well actualized game. My issue with that game beyond its uh, IP was the systems around that game. Where it was like, yeah. oh man, you're operating with okay. loot drops and things like that. Like yeah. I don't think so anything. When I say the game didn't look great, I, I, I mean visually the game looked fine. Like the cutscenes looked great. Um, the the close up of the characters, they all looked fine. I think when I say the game didn't look great, I mean the actual gameplay stuff that they showed in terms of shoot the purple spot on the helicopter, shoot the purple spot on that giant tower over there, shoot the purple spot over there. Like that whole loop didn't really appeal to a lot of people. I think. That can be a thing that they can probably work on. They can probably adjust, depending on how long this game is supposed to be. The nine months should be enough time. Um, yeah, man. It, how do you get this far in production, though, and not realize this is bullshit? You, you want to know? Yeah. I'm looking at the timeline. The last Rock City game was 10 years ago, which means 10 years ago, they decided, hey, let's make a games as a service. Let's make a Avengers thing. Uh, Rock City has never made that type of game, so they had to learn on the spot of how to make that type of game. Uh, it took them way too long, and by that point, the uh, the market has changed completely, and people don't necessarily. Like, Avengers has already come out, beat them to the market, and died. So now they're sitting there going, like, "All right, do we have a game that's better than Avengers? Can we learn from its mistakes? Or more realistically, do people want this type of game?" I think that is the issue they ran up in. Like they. We're already too far in development and Rocksteady the studio has already dumped too many resources into this game for it to get to this point and then think, ah, oh, we probably shouldn't do this. Yeah, yeah. I, and also, the one other thing that I, I think about is, you know, the last Rocksteady game was like nine, ten years ago. I still feel like, you know, video game development is never a straight line. They probably had five or six different concepts for this. The version of this game that we're seeing now is probably two-year development, three-year development, maybe, maybe two and a half, maybe something like that. Like I, I don't, I don't think this is something that they've worked on for nine, no, no. ten years. I think uh, early reports where they were working on other prototype type of games, okay. like there was yeah. rumors of a just of Superman game and a uh, Batman Beyond type of game. Those are all rumors. I'd fuck with a Batman Beyond type of game. Well, we all that, that would have made more. That would have made more sense. But we're here now where they, this is the game they probably, I'm realistically, I'm thinking they've been working on this game for five to six years. Yeah. Uh, another thing, too, before we get to, to the break, if this game comes out, because it's, it's slated for what, February 2024? Oh, I think if this comes out and it's still like a seven, what the fuck? <laughs> like, seriously? I guess, I guess that'd be better than it being like a six, five, five and a half kind of thing. So, sure. But man, like, the next time we see this game. I don't, I don't think the game would have come. I think that if the game came out on its current pace, it wouldn't be a six or a seven. I think it would have been a seven or eight. 
I think they're pulling the trigger like Halo did about how people reacted and not what their product was at the time. Uh, you think, oh, okay. You have more confidence in this than I do. Oh, it's Rock City. You have it's more Rock confidence City. in this than I do. It's Rock City, <laughs> and I do 100% think the way that game looked when it was actually showed off gameplay was fundamentally sound as a type of mm. multiplayer, four-player multiplayer uh, open-world action shooter. Yeah. I mean, it is possible that I guess in a weird way, it could be possible that they've delayed this so they can sure up their content so they don't run into a multiverses thing where like the game drops and it's just like, all right, well, we don't really have much. So and that, you know, hurts the player base. Uh, so that's yeah. I mean, but like that doesn't make any sense with the way this game was released because it had a main narrative which has been built around four playable characters. I know they yeah. talked about releasing DLC characters uh, after the fact, but like, cool, play these four characters in the actual game we built. Also, here's Wonder Woman, uh, Plastique, and a bunch of other characters who you won't be able to play in the main narrative and the main story, but you can play in our open, like you run into the Avengers problem, but like if you picked up Avengers in 2023 and you jumped into that game, if you play its main story, it's got the six Avengers characters, or you jump straight into the uh, no story war zone section where you can play Mm -hmm. any character in a bunch of non-story missions that have no real context or anything. Yeah, I, I'm just trying to look at it in a way of like, okay, well, we're going to keep this base game. So what is this delay going to be used for? But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I think fundamentally it's uh, quote unquote polish and it's 100% revamping the systems around this game. People yeah. have reacted horribly to them. We need to figure out how to make sure that the systems don't ruin our Metacritic and ruin our sales, if that makes sense. Right. All right. Well, before we jump into what's going on with Redfall, we hope you're having a great time with this episode. We hope that you could do us a solid and like this video if you're watching on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell if you are listening. Thank you. Also, you know, whenever you're stopped doing what you're doing, you know, give us a little watch. That can help. You don't even have to watch the whole video. Just, you know, watch half of it or watch 59 minutes of it. Just do it. Also, we. We? Oh, yes. I just wanted to say it again. Okay. Make sure you empty out your bladder because that's important to keep your bladder safe and clean. Drink some water. Um, And leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or this podcast service you're listening to. Thank you. Appreciate it. Leave us a review on Amazon. Fuck it. We're on Amazon. No, but, you know, figure it out. If we're not on Amazon, if they're leaving us a review on Amazon, it's not us. Hey, it's not us. Hey, hey. All right. Oh, actually, real quick. There is a Press X to Start uh, YouTube channel. It's not us, all right? It's not us. They have like 200 subscribers, and I feel like half the subscribers should have been us, but it's not, and like those people are just lost in the wind now. So if you're one of those people who jumped on to Press X to Start onto YouTube and you subscribe to that channel thinking it's us, it's not us, okay? We got the, the, the white X with the blue background. So make sure you check that. All right, continue, Avery. Yeah, okay, so our next story is, uh, as what has been alluded to, this is from Ethan Gott from Kotaku.com. The best version of Xbox Next Big Exclusive won't arrive at launch. So uh, this week, uh, Redfall, the official Redfall account, and corroborated by Microsoft, announced that, hey, we are launching this game in quality mode at 30 FPS, 4K, and uh, performance mode, which is going to be the 60 FPS mode, will be released at a later time. They haven't indicated what this later time is. And that has caused a shitstorm on the internet. Like, I have not seen this much shit for an Xbox game in ever. And I have a spicy hot take, but I'm going to let everyone go forward before I bring it up. 
this is just sad. Like, it's sad in every respect in terms of this is supposed to be one of Xbox's stronger games to release, you know, next to Starfield. Um, this was supposed to start the slate of like AAA games coming out for the Xbox three. Xbox 360 for the Xbox Series X fucking Zero X slash once S again, to like uh, I mean, once well again be. the fucking awful naming construction yeah, of their it's, consoles. It's a mess. It's a mess. But like it's just sad to you know. And I, I I've I've seen stuff on the internet talking about like 30 is not bad. Like 30 is fine. 30 is fine. But I think there's just an expectation with this current gen that we get 60 FPS. Like the fact that they say that it's going to come later. That's great. Like eventually, you know, as time passes, when that drops, everyone's going to forget about the 30. But like as it is right now, it sucks. It sucks that the people who are excited for this game, like playing a co-op game in 30 FPS compared to 60 FPS is just night and day. Like I I saw it personally when I was playing Overwatch and they dropped the it, no, that was 30 and then playing like uh I think Destiny I was playing two FPS at the same time. One was 60, one was 30. And it was just like, I could barely function in 30 because it was just running so slow. And like everyone is playing other games that are, are 60 FPS. So I don't think it quite bothers me as much yet. I can't really tell the difference. I guess oh, that's, that's my yeah. hot take. That's my hot take. I saw this news and I'm like, huh, 30 FPS, not that big of a deal. Then I saw other people freaking out. And I'm like, Okay, apparently it is a big deal. My big issue with this is less of the 30 FPS as a... It's not a competitive shooter. It is a co-op shooter. It yeah. is a... Uh, now, this is me personally. Like, all of my take is me personally. Mm. Like, I don't give a shit between 30 and 60 FPS. As long as the game doesn't run at 10 FPS or it's an unstable 60 to 20 FPS, I'm 100%... Yeah, I, I'm 100% fine with it as an experience of the FPS. My only issue with this and what I will criticize them on is that... You've delayed this game once, okay? How did you delay it, get to this day, and realize we're not going to have 60 FPS? Because you've promised that 60 FPS in advance. That is my issue with this entire thing. Not that we're being stuck with 30, is that like all of your marketing material and everything like that has been showing this game is 60 FPS. I'm pretty sure even on its box, it said it was 60 FPS. And we're, we're sitting here now at like a month or so before the game comes out, like, okay, it's going to be 30 FPS. I mean, that is just... Yeah. A breakdown in marketing. I think it, it's only supposed to be next gen only. Like a lot of people yeah. spent their money for it, Xbox Series or PS Five, thinking, "All right, we're in the big leagues now." I mean, is sixty FPS going to come to the Series S as well? Yeah, it's all it's, it's through all versions. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think the only uh, caveat, I, probably the PC version. I uh, don't quote me on that, but I think for the console versions, it's uh, thirty FPS. Yeah, like I, I will say. I forget what I know. I know it was Overwatch I was playing and I, it might have been like Call of Duty or might have been Destiny that I was playing. That was 60 FPS. Like for sure, if you were to bounce between the two, you would definitely feel the difference. Like for Sean specifically, when you first started going back into Call of Duty, you were saying how that felt slower to you than like Apex. It's mm-hmm. that kind of feeling. But, but it's not the frame rate that I, when I say it feels slower, it's not the frame rate that I'm referring it's not to. The frame rate. We're talking no, about- no, no, no. Well, what I'm, what I'm saying is that the experience of playing a game between 30 and, F and, and 60, like that's what it feels like. Like your aiming is a little bit slower. Like the you like firing a gun feels a little bit slower because of 
the 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 lack of the 30 fps that you don't have because they have the mouse and reticle sensitivity you know your look sensitivity i can't really mm-hmm. tell the difference in a shooter to to be dead ass honest between a 30 and a 60 be, because of that uh, no no yeah i'm i'm with sean which is, which is why i'm pushing back on what you're saying about sean's thing about 30 fps and 60 is like like i also have tried to play call of duty and said all this a much slower experience and like it's not even when i say it's a slower experience i'm talking about the pacing of the way gunfights and movement all that shit works in regards to when I talk about a game being slow, that's what I'm talking about, it being slow. Like, when I started playing Overwatch again, it was like, oh, man, this game moves super slow. And it's not because of fucking, like, the FPS. It's because, like, literally there is no run button in this game, so I'm physically yeah, no, no, moving no, 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 slow. No, 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 we're, we're going down a different path. I'm trying to explain the difference that I felt when I was playing Overwatch mm. versus, I'm going to say Destiny, because I think it was Destiny. Playing that at 60 versus Overwatch at 30. And it's just like, there's a noticeable difference between the two experiences. But yeah. Anyways, this sucks. Like it, it just it sucks. I, I hear you. I, I'm just saying I, I'm never gonna be able to really be able to tell the difference when you, as long as you have good net code and the game is stable, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as long as the game works, then the game is gonna you, work. It's you just, have sixty frames per second, but if you got fucking dial up or DSL, you're just gonna see ass getting shot up in sixty frames per second. You know what I mean? Right. Like. Right. It's a misnomer. I think I think it'll be fine. Yeah, the I issue think... is, like Avery said, they advertise it at 60 and we got these big $500 consoles that just not just came out. But you know what I mean? That, that was the promise of this generation. It, you know, this is supposed to be next gen only. What are y'all doing? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Our next story is from Tom Ivan. This is from VGC. Ubisoft has launched a closed beta test for its free to play FPS X Defiant. Uh, Oxford has come out, and all news I've been able to see is that it's surprisingly a good FPS experience, and a lot of people are saying that it has it has the might to punch up at COD. I think that's hyperbole, but they're saying a lot of great things about this. So I actually, uh, one of the people I follow on uh, the interwebs, they were playing it, so I actually got to sit and like watch a couple of matches. And I think... I, it's it's an interesting thing because like this game looks most like Call of Duty, right? So it's like they're gonna make that comparison, and I would love it if they could look at this game, compare this game, not even compare this game, like talk about the game, but not make that Call of Duty comparison because Call of Duty is so big. Like you don't want to be like, oh yeah, this could be better than Call of Duty, because then like you start looking at like, all right, well, Call of Duty has Warzone, Call of Duty has DMZ, Call, Call of Duty has like different multiplayer matches and if this drops with like uh you know controller like domination kind of thing and like a like a team deathmatch it's already under the gun because you can do so much more in call of duty so it's just like yeah okay i think we're operating on different lanes of thought when i say competing with call of duty i'm just saying the general mechanical feel engagement of the actual fps experience actual gameplay and less of oh the multiple modes and things of of that because like yeah yeah yeah, yeah, I get you, I get you. The one thing that really, like, impressed, not impressed me, the one thing that really, like, I loved was the time to kill. And it was just, like, a couple, couple bullets, person dead. Like, okay, cool. Like, that, that's, that's what I wanted. But, um, yeah, in terms of everything else, it... I'll be honest, that, I thought this game was Hyenas when I first saw it, the gameplay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely get that, too. Like, it was a weird thing watching it, because, like, 
I I appreciated what I saw, but like after I was done with the video, it was kind of a forgettable thing to me. Like it didn't it didn't really have any staying power. So I don't know if that's just me because I was watching it, you know, whatever, or if it's just like it's kind of generic in a way because it does feel a lot like Call of Duty. But I don't know. It's interesting though. Like I I'm impressed that they managed to get the game to uh run as well as it did the most interesting thing they've did with this game is that it used to be tom clancy's x defiant and then they switched it to just x defiant and now it's just going to be the ubisoft crossover game where they're going to put factions and skins and tech and uh abilities from all the ubisoft oeuvre of games instead of just straight up tom clancy games like the big thing is we're getting libertad from far cry 6 okay because i saw dead second and i'm like what yeah okay yeah that's a cool like Smash Brothers a fying way of like making an FPS, which is like especially like Ubisoft, they have like a, a very wide net of games variety to pull of, from. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if they're gonna throw their NFT uh platform BS in there eventually. Oh no. I don't even what was it called? Uh it was in in Rainbow Six uh black. No, not black. The last it was a Ghost gym, Recon game. It was a gem flavored numbered something. I don't remember. Not flavored. It was called Quartz, uh, Ubisoft Quartz. That was their NFT thing. I wonder if they're just killing it now. They're going to roll that into that. But uh, anywho. But here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Like, I'm happy that you brought that up. Because this game is free to play, there's going to be a need uh, a monetization system for this, right? And I think that there's going to have a battle pass on it. But mm-hmm. of course, I think in the worst reality, if this game does well, you can see Ubisoft probably just kind of like pushing that quartz thing slowly into this to see like if it will play because we haven't heard anything about it in a while. Yeah, no, I mean Ubisoft needs a successful game for it to put the quartz uh, in. To, like, yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, if this works, then it works. Yeah, we'll see what the NFT thing going forward because yeah, for the most part, even Ubisoft couldn't get it to be successful. And that being said, AI technology could fuck everything. So we'll see. But I'm of the mindset that Ubisoft won't put quartz into this based on the fact that they would have probably put it in other successful games yeah. mm. like ongoing successful games but they didn't so I'm, I'm less believing of that but yeah and then the story I, I meant to put here and then fucking forgot because I just read Ubisoft was hey guys uh, Ubisoft just launched their brand new Ubisoft Plus program which is uh, their game pass uh, it's being launched on consoles I think it was Shadow Dropped a part of PlayStation Plus so it's like, that's why a lot of the PlayStation Plus games in the catalog are fucking Ubisoft games because they shadow launched it through there. It's about like $18 a month and it has the same benefits of Game Pass. The most interesting aspect of this is its price and the reveal of what it means for Ubisoft game first party. And a lot of people have been calling out that this is bullshit, how they're charging this much. And I will say they're charging this much because they they have run the map. It's like we put out less games than Microsoft. We cannot afford to give you all of our games day and date for $10 if we're only going to release like four games a year. (laughs) Yeah, like. I applaud them for making the effort. I am very hesitant. Like, I think I said in the chat, like, I'll be interested to see if they reach a point where they can be like, oh, thank you, all of our subscribers. We've hit the one million Ubi, Ubi Pass people or something like that. Like, all right, I, I'm waiting for, like, a, a story like that breaks once this, like, gets released. Because I, I don't, I'm of the mindset that this 
It depends on how Ubisoft feels about this. As a catalog of their old games, there's no reason for them to get rid of this. This will be here forever. The day and date stuff, mm-hmm. that is where the $18 a month comes from. And that is them looking at the market and realizing that the way our games exist, we're going to lose money if we just put this at a super low money. We also yeah. don't have the backing of Microsoft to eat. Like, once again, I don't believe that the Game Pass is profitable. There's not a single fucking subscription entertainment service that exists with the level of output that Xbox has that is in the green so i'm not of the mindset especially the way xbox is going to believe it uh inherently without like raw raw data but this i think all of this and the the maneuvering around that is based entirely upon that financial reality of like to the point where like all the big major studios are being like we're putting our movies in theaters because we realize that we're making little to no money on these streaming services and like this is the only way to maximize our profits from these films so like i'm thinking this is ubisoft having their cake and eat it too whether it will work i don't know i think the era of game pass and subscription services has essentially uh tricked everyone into believing that not tricked has has devalued games enough in a way that people want to look at 18 dollars for a ubisoft game and be like no i'm not paying this yeah i i I don't know I, i just i guess i'm also coming from the side of like not being a ubisoft person so it's like there's no value in it for me to subscribe to it, but it's just, you know, you're already paying for either PlayStation plus or game pass. And then you have to pay for another thing to get these games. Like, well, well, well. the Ubisoft games are already included on PlayStation plus. They have a tab. Yeah. So then like, who is this for then? Well, specifically, this is them announcing it independently on consoles as a thing. Yeah. And then the day and date thing, this is the first time they've talked about this. Okay, the day, okay, okay. So I guess you could save money by getting it and you'd get the game stay and date. So you're not paying the $70 for the games. I guess that could work. But it, like, then you get into the value proposition issue of like, okay, $18 a month, I'm probably spending upwards of $200 on Ubisoft games this year. Does yeah. that make sense to most people? Yeah. And they will see because of the way their games are. Okay, so how does they equate... Uh, live service ongoing games and whatnot <laughs> yeah i was just thinking about x, x define actually like how is that gonna yeah how's that rainbow kind of six siege and things like that yeah yeah, yeah. i guess we'll see i guess we'll see you know we've been saying that a lot this episode but you know yeah. the future holds all things all right well uh that's pretty much it for the gaming news before we wrap this episode up let us talk a little bit about the games we have been playing we have been playing Call of Duty. I mean, if you, you know, I it was part of the start of the show. Uh, recently, Call of Duty has dropped their season three, and it came with a lot of big changes to Warzone, big changes to DMZ, and big changes to the, multi, uh, the normal multiplayer that everyone plays. As you know, me and Sean, we jump into the DMZ a lot. They've done a lot of changes to that. And overall, Sean, do you um, like season three? This is my new jam. Call of Duty has revitalized my love for COD. I think after Jesus, when did uh, Modern Warfare 1 come out? 2006, 7 maybe? Jesus Christ, has it been that long? Maybe 7. Let me see. I'm curious. 2007. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I've been playing a freaking call of duty almost 20 years now what's that uh 16 years Mm -hmm. 
eventually you get tired of it. I don't. If you're not making money from it, and even then, I don't see how people don't get tired of it eventually. Because I mean, they've been recycling the same, for the most part, the same things over and over. Yes, they changed the map style. It's not a three-lane map anymore. Granted, I kind of prefer that. Whatever. Um, the kill streaks have gotten kind of ridiculous. Or, or maybe I'm just getting fatigued from all the new things that just. I, I wish there was like a classic mode. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. But um, DMZ. As Avery said, it's basically a, a Call of Duty Escape from Tarkov, you know, version. And um, I haven't played Escape from Tarkov, but this is good enough for me. Um, all of the changes they made this season are pretty top notch, you know. Yeah. Um, as DJ said, I'm not going to go into all of the changes they made, but um, we can we can get into some of them. I, mean, I, I can I can list some of them. It's a lot of quality of life changes. Um, you yeah. can. You can actually add attachments to guns that you find laying around on the ground. And that was an issue for me where, like, I'd pick up a gun, but I hate the iron sights on a lot of things. So, like, I would just, I would save a gun even if I didn't like it just because it had a, a scope on it. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Um, you can so run down the list just, of some just, of the yeah, things yeah. they so did. Just to elaborate on that, like, um, so in the DMZ, they've added a couple different things now. Um well, we could talk about the upgrading your contraband gun. So now there are workbenches that's in the DMZ map, and they're usually like really close to the buy station. And essentially, it's about three thousand to add an uh, to add an that's attachment dope. to the gun. Yeah. So that can be a muzzle attachment, uh, stock, magazine, ammunition, like. You can basically just kind of give me something to do with all your money because there are a lot exactly. of times I was just ex filling with tens of thousands of cash, and it's just like oh, I guess it's just going to uh, XP. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So on top of that, they've also introduced three new vests. So you have a medic vest, you have a scavenger vest, and then you have a comms vest. The medic vest allows you to and a stealth vest. Yes, that's separate. Medic, medic, stealth, and comms. You're oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I said scavenger. That's a bag. Um, so the medic vest gives you a free self revive, and it allows you to revive your teammates a lot quicker. So that's like golden if you are by yourself or on a team. The stealth vest gives you the ghost perk, so you don't show up on UAV. Um, and the comms vest will turn every UAV into a uh, advanced UAV, so you'll be able to see the position or the direction the people are facing. I think you can also just UAV. see when people are near you. Yeah, and and that's another thing that's a part of that too. Like you'll get a ping from your radio guy, and they're like, "Hey, there's a enemy operators are by you or whatever." You. So like, yeah. all this stuff is just such a bonus addition to like what I think is already the great loop of DMZ. So another thing too, they have changed the loadout for the DMZ where you can actually create three separate loadouts. So you can have a character that you just play with and you can kit that person up you can kit another person up if you go into dmz and you die with that uh, second person you can just jump to your first person and still have that like your kit and you're fine um another thing they added was the scavenger bags that we mentioned uh you can now get different backpacks so the scavenger backpack is different from the normal backpacks oh, that's that, what you meant. Okay. yeah so the scavenger backpacks you don't have the uh the weapon slot in the bag but you have additional slots for um, items. I think there's another bag where you just don't lose anything as well. That's a secure bag, yeah. Okay. So, like, again, like, 
this whole addition stuff, it changes the game in a way that it makes DMC even more strategic in terms of if you are rolling in a squad, like who has what kind of vest on? Is there a person who has like a secure bag? We should give that person the items just in case we go down or something. So if we die, the important items are still in that bag. So like, it's just, they did such a great job with this season that, and a lot of people were kind of down on season two. So for them to come back up with this, it's just, it's just so great. It's just, it's they, just they were in there cooking. They were. They um, were. You can buy your own X-Fill chopper now. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. So now, so now you're not just going to get a uh, scoped out by people camping. Hey, you can buy your own X-Fill chopper and then get the weapons case. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm just cooking up shit. Oh like, yeah. Man, I, I love DMZ. <laughs> yeah. And then another cool thing about that is like, they changed the train in that there is a safe on the train now. There's also a heavy chopper that I believe you can buy, but there is a gas can that's specifically on the train that you can grab so you can fuel up the chopper. And I think you can get on the chopper or something. Yeah, I think you can get on the chopper. I think you might be able to shoot from the chopper, but I'm not sure. Like shoot like a, a, a big gun from the chopper. I'm not sure on that one. I could be wrong. Could be wrong. I haven't actually gotten on it. I've just read about it. I haven't actually seen it yet. Um, in terms of the missions, they have added an extra um, nice. secure supplies mission. Mm-hmm. And that mission is a really good mission to regain like your, your equipment and stuff because you're almost guaranteed to get either a medium bag or a extra two-plate armor. From that, yeah. So like it's great. Like they, I think they've done a really good job at like appeasing the more casual DMZ players. It doesn't feel like an afterthought. Exactly, exactly. And they also did a good job of like answering some of the the issues that like the the more advanced DMZ players had as well. So I, I think they did a really good job at improving DMZ and mm-hmm. you know essentially hitting everyone's issues with that game. Oh, uh, another thing I, I need to mention is that. They have brought back the Imperium sniper rifle, which is a really, really, really like uh, popular sniper rifle from I think Modern Warfare Two or whatever. Anyways, it's it's like a it's like a one shot kill. Like you can now one shot kill people in DMZ if you have the correct like attachments onto the gun. I think like explosive rounds is like the main thing you need. Um, I was playing multiplayer and I was just getting pieced up by that goddamn gun, so that sucks. But I'm gonna get it soon because. The battle pass, you just get that block filled out and you get the gun. So there you go. Um, you don't have to buy the battle pass in order to get that gun because that gun's considered free. You just got to unlock to that point. Work towards it. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, like, I think DMZ mode specifically is in a really good place right now. I think these updates made that place even better. And it's a just more enjoyable experience because you can really cater what you want to do when you go into the map and like you can spec out your character to be like really really good at solos you can spec your character out to be like a really good team player and i think they just did a great job at providing those options for the players so i'll be sad to see it go if microsoft makes it a console exclusive and that's the thing like i i don't i think the whole concept of exclusivity thing i think Mm -hmm. that will probably happen like after the 10-year deal thing is up and i think at that point PlayStation better have some kind of alternative, like the Bungie Marathon game. That could be a really good like counter to DMZ. 
Or just play Call of Duty on Xbox, DJ. If it's, it's your or favorite. Or you can play Call of Duty on Xbox. Yeah, at that if it's point, your favorite game, just play it. Hey, you know what, Avery? At that point, I'll have enough money to save up to buy a refurbished Xbox Series X. <laughs> or whatever the hell they're calling it by then. All right. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what the future holds because, as we always say in this episode, we'll see. And we'll see you later on, uh, person who's watching this or listening, because this has been another episode of Press X to Start Gamers Digest. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode as much as you are making it. Don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting apps, because every little bit helps. Don't forget to like this video, subscribe to the channel, and hit the notification bell. Don't forget to review us on your favorite podcasting apps or the podcast services you are using. Don't forget to wash your hands. Don't forget to eat your veggies. Don't forget to say hi to your family, to your friends, to your loved ones, and even the ones you hate. Don't forget to watch One Piece. <laughs> Don't forget to catch up on One Piece. You got to finish that goal before you die because it's very important. Um, I think that's it. I think, I think we've done it. I think that's a wrap. Will you take care? Have fun. Play some games.